welcome to episode 101. Yeah, we're still here. Still here. You guys thought we were just going to give up after 100. I no. thought we were. Cameron wanted to. I forced him you to come back. You dragged me. But I, I've lured you back with a more comfortable setup. We are, we're in a new milestone here. Uh, Cameron is now sitting on my couch. We are even closer to replicating <laughs> the Weekly Planet. I, I did. I have to. I modeled this off of their setup because they did uh, when they did their Care Australia campaign. Like the bonus thing is they do a little tour of the man cave slash regular room. For those of you who don't listen to Weekly Planet, this doesn't make any difference to you. Uh, but yeah, the way it works is that Mr. Sunday sits at his desk and Meso just hangs it on the couch yes. with the, the podcast dog. So our, I'm here. It is me, Meso. <laughs> our podcast dog is in the other room. What's unfortunately. up, jerks? <laughs> it's your boy, Dickface. Yes, your boy, Dickface. <laughs> just crossing over all the podcasts today. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so a new, a whole new setup here. A new era has begun. Yes. But that, I mean, we're just doing the same shit over and over again. From the other side of the room. The, uh, yeah. But also this is like a little more isolated over here. I'm hoping yeah. there's going to be less street noise. Hopefully. Uh, also every window in my apartment is closed right now because the air is so smoky. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who don't know, California is on fire. Yep. Uh, LA in particular. Uh, we have a massive fire going to the West in Malibu and, uh, I think still a fire in Griffith going mm-hmm. on to the East. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the giraffe is safe. My, oh, good. Yes, my friend Alana. Stanley? Very, yes, Stanley the giraffe is safe. Good. Okay, my yeah. My friend was very worried. Yeah, I saw some posts about that. So the yeah, the big fire out of Malibu was getting close to uh, Malibu Wine Safari, which I've been to. Mm-hmm. Super fun. And they have a whole bunch of animals out there, including Stanley the giraffe. Yes. Um, poor Stanley. He has never really been around the giraffes. He doesn't know how to socialize with them, but he loves people. He does. He absolutely loves people. Because my friend had her wedding there. Oh. Yeah. So, she, so like, Stana was in the background of all of the photos. That's amazing. Yeah. We uh, yeah we had our company retreat out there, which is super, super fun. Nice. Um, guys, if you ever want to be in the back of, like, a massive off-road Jeep while drinking rosé, it's the place to do it. Yeah. Yeah. God, now I want some rosé. Got to finish this first. Okay, yeah, this first, right. Um, but, yeah, we're we're back. Episode 101. By the way, this is about Tim Talk. The podcast about the DC Animated <laughs> Universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. There you go, Cameron. You've Who done it. Who are you? I'm Chris Lord. And I'm Cameron Dexter. <laughs> Nailed it. We did it. Always so flawless. Yeah. Uh, but we got some news. It's been it's been dry few weeks news-wise, but I feel like we finally got some good stuff this week. Mm-hmm. Um, Cameron, what's been happening? What what little bits of news I have I your have eyes? news this week. Oh my gosh, she um, came prepared. I, well, I mean <laughs> ish. Well, I mean, it, it talks about the one thing that I care about most. Scooby-Doo? The, the other thing I care about most. Avatar The Last Airbender. The other other thing I care about most. Penny boards. Yep. <laughs> There's a new line of penny boards coming out. Are they all for superhero Mickey's... themed? Are no, they Disney Mickey, themed? Yeah, they're for Mickey's 90th. Is, that a, is this an actual thing? No. Okay. It honestly like, wouldn't surprise me, though. Yeah, I was it, like, I could believe this being a real thing. For people who are unfamiliar with the, the origin of Mickey Mouse, his 90th birthday is next week, the 18th. Woo! Uh, and if you've walked into any store in the past two months, I'm sure you've seen some Disney merchandise because everyone is jumping on the Mickey bandwagon. It's there's a lot. I was at Target the other day, <clears throat> and they had a, a Steamboat Willie, like a black and white Steamboat Willie, little like dancing doll. Mm-hmm. I almost bought it for you. It's literally everywhere, Chris. Yeah, it's it's kind of scary how far his like. I mean, obviously, my whole life revolves around him. But seeing yeah. like other people's lives revolve around him is like, oh, this is weird. Do you feel like people are encroaching on your passion? No, just trying to profit off of it. Okay. But yeah. I mean, that is literally what your job is. 
Just because I'm marketing Mickey doesn't mean. <laughs> it's fun. It's different because I'm with I'm with the core Mickey, while they're just selling, like crossover uh, Mickey, like off-brand stuff. No, it's not off-brand because it's all it's, Disney it's all, official. It's all official, but mm-hmm. they're just like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you get it. Yeah, uh, gets sure. It. Yeah, I, I get how you're not a hypocrite. Yeah. So speaking of Disney, we <laughs> we got the smallest amount of news we could. We have the name of the streaming service finally. Oh yeah. Yes, uh, Disney Plus. So I'm not gonna exciting. try and like hype it up. It's just called Disney Plus. It's called Disney Plus. Yeah. I yeah. I it's, signed up for the the newsletter. Of course, to you hopefully did. Get updates. Yeah. Uh, that's all we know. Well, I mean, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. We know it's gonna be on it. We have a few, yeah. a few things. Yeah, we have the the Marvel shows and the Star Wars shows. Well, yeah, so we got, we have confirmation mm-hmm. that Tom Hiddleston will be leading a Loki show, mm-hmm. a Loki limited series. I think everything else is still rumors. That's the one that was confirmed in the press release. Uh, as was a Star Wars show featuring uh, Diego Luna's character Cassian Andor from Rogue One. Cool. Which yeah, I liked his character. So I'm like, I think that's. That's a good territory to kind of explore in, and I'm certainly excited about uh, the Mandalorian, which I already knew about. It's yeah, coming yeah. on the way too, mm-hmm. but I think yeah, I'm I'm so with Star Wars, we have kind of this problem. There's too much Star Wars. Well, that's a big problem, but but yeah. other other problem is when we already know the finale of a character, we kind of I feel like. We don't. Oh, how do I phrase this? Like, the, if we know the character is gonna die in the only movie he's been in, why do we care what happens to him now? Yes. Like, obviously, I still care, but yeah. I mean, we, I, I I go back to the Anakin problem where we they always know Anakin's gonna turn evil. It's just like I mean, I guess yeah. Like, I suppose with the prequel trilogy, it was kind of a question of. How is it going to happen? Like, mm-hmm. what's the actual story we're going to see unfold? Even also, though we know where it's going to go. Yeah. Also, Cassian's a dick at the beginning of the movie. Well, I think that's what makes it kind of interesting is, I mean, yeah, because he just, like, shoots that unarmed, mm-hmm. like, informant or whatever and, like, races off. He is kind of barbed. I, I think the one challenge they might have is that he had an arc in Rogue One, mm-hmm. which is him being kind of cold-blooded and eventually softening up um, and opening up to somebody and choosing to not just kill people. So they can't do that again. Right. But of course, so did Han. Yeah, well, that was part of... And that worked out so well. Well, that was part of the problem with Solo, right? It's like, we've already seen him do this, so it doesn't really work. So yeah, I mean, I guess the challenge becomes how do you do a show around a character that has to stay static because... Well, you could do the flip story. You could see why he turned so cold. This is true. Mm-hmm. Almost like um, like a Breaking Bad sort of thing. I mean, yeah. not full on Breaking Bad, but in that same vein. Because mm-hmm. that be uh, that's the there's another story someone wanted to tell where it was the same thing of like why did this character become so evil or not evil, but so, so evil, evil. <clears throat> Every villain is lemon. Is Do lemon? You, yeah, not gonna get it's a SpongeBob reference. Oh, that would explain why I don't mm-hmm. get it. Uh, it's not important. <laughs> I sent a lot of SpongeBob gifts. Haven't seen a lot of the show. There was an episode to Quick Tangent of uh, where they recreate the Justice League. <gasps> yeah, really? Mm-hmm. With um, well, they, they, uh, Merman. More specifically, it's the the Super Friends. Okay. Uh, so yeah, you have Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, uh, and they have the suits of their former. Uh, 
of their former super squad, and the suit is what carries the power. And so SpongeBob, Patrick, Squidward, and Sandy put on the suits, and you have um, oh god, I don't remember their names anymore. But a uh, person with volcano powers, a uh, person who can run fast, uh, stretch, and invisibility. Okay, so it's the Fantastic Four, not the Justice League. Plus Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. It's actually more or less actually the Terrific Trio, plus yes. Aquaman. Yes. Okay. And Barnacle Boy. And Barnacle. Come on. Lest we forget Barnacle Boy. Exactly. Um, what were we talking about? I think we were... It was Star Wars? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, we were talking about it was Disney+. Plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because... So we get that... I don't know. I mean, we're both going to get this. Oh, absolutely. We know. I mean, I want to get it for... I, I would get it just for the back catalog. Mm-hmm. But we're also going to get some original stuff that I'm super excited about. Loki, obviously, I'm excited about that. Mandalorian, I think this Cassidy Andor thing should be good. Um, you'll be excited because you're going to be doing more stuff in the High School Musical universe. <gasps> yes. You're going to be like, probably doing a new TV show based off that. And also, one of the ones referenced was Monsters, Inc. They're going to be doing something in the Monsters, Inc. world. I would I would really love that because I feel like that's yeah. such an untapped... Because obviously, we know what, what it's like working at a power plant there. But yeah. there's an entire world of Monstropolis that we don't know about. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see if it's set away from the scare floor mm-hmm. or if it is is it gonna follow on from monsters inc or we're we gonna see what happens to monstropolis when all of a sudden they've switched tactics i don't know if that works quite as well if it's all comedy and instead of scaring yeah i feel like because i mean that's that's basically the the experience at disney world yeah is the the laugh floor and I think that's like that was kind of one of the things that for me didn't quite work with Monsters University beyond the fact that it was just kind of a generic plot mm-hmm. was that we know all this is moot. I mean, I guess it's to your point again with like Cassie and Andor. It's like if it's all kind of moot, why do we get involved in it? Yeah, I, I think the one thing that'll save the Loki TV show is just the charm of Tom Hiddleston as Loki because it's obviously going to be set probably prior even to Thor, we might guess. Or, I mean, it actually, what it could be, which could be interesting, it could be explaining how he went from falling off the Rainbow Bridge in the end of Thor 1 to working with Thanos. That, that's been a lot of the talks, yeah. Yeah, because that, that is an, an open <clears throat> space that would explain why he's not on Asgard, why there's no Thor, why there's no Odin, mm-hmm. any of the, the Warriors 3 or Sif. They'd have to give a good reason why we're so separated from everything else. What I would really love, and be a really dumb show, but I would love... A Mr. Rogers style show with Loki <laughs> telling childhood stories of him and Thor, and they recreate it. Because I really want to see the snake story. Yes. And there's so many great, just incredibly bizarre Norse mythology tales already. Yeah. That, like, there's so much they could pull from, from just like the most unnecessarily insane. Like, that, oh God, what was my favorite one? Where Thor dresses up as a bride. Uh, to marry a giant. What? Uh, in order, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly why. Uh, but but Thor has to marry, or the giant is about to to murder someone. Okay. And so in order to stop him, th- uh, Thor dresses as a woman, uh, and gets the attention of the giant, and they're meant to marry, and then right before he <laughs> slays the giant. I I want to see that. Yes. I want to uh, see oh, that as a so mar- badly as a Marvel one shot with Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> mm-hmm. In a dress. Yes. I mean, everything's great with Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. It's sleeveless dress, obviously. Well, I mean, he would rip with, any other. Yeah, with those arms. My God. Yeah. It has to be directed by Taika as well. Well, yeah, everything should be. Exactly. Everything should be. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're both excited for Disney+. Plus. Yeah. 
It's going to be. I, I, do you remember when it's going to come out? I don't Sometime think they confirmed year. a date. Yeah. If, if anything, it'll probably be next holiday season. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because there'll probably be a bit, of a, a bit of a wait before we actually get the Mandalorian, and I would think that that would be their like launch content. In the mm-hmm. same way, Titans was the, the launch vehicle for <clears throat> DC Universe. I think Mandalorian. Oh, boy, do I have a lot to say this week about Titans. Oh, God. I, oh, my God. I cannot cannot wait to talk about titans i had so much i had so much fun with it as i always do great uh what other news you got uh i have um excuse me Mm -hmm. uh some interesting news that it's kind of a slippery slope for the future of entertainment oh wow in my opinion how Uh, ominous we're getting another reboot because this is the world of reboots right okay Uh, i know what you're gonna all of the properties uh shrek good old shrek dreamworks shrek is getting a reboot from the creator of Despicable Me. No, not the creator, but the, the head of Illumination. Yeah. Who's kind of the the Lasseter of DreamWorks, uh, Chris Mellon, uh, Mellon Dandry. Chris Mellencamp. Yes, yeah. Chris Mellencamp. Chris Cougar Mellencamp. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I mean, how do you feel about that? I am... Oh, God. So there's so many... People, people have been very upset with reboots recently. Because everyone's like, oh, we're going to run out of stuff to reboot for, you know, we're going to, if we keep rebooting, we're going to set a run out of stuff to reboot. Yeah. And I was, and my thought was always, we're going to get to a point and we can't reboot past that point. And for me, that was always kind of like 1999 is, is kind of the last straw for reboots. Okay. But Shrek came out in 2002. It's, it's not even <clears throat> 20 years old. Yeah. I'm. I'm kind of skeptical about this. I, yes. mean, I think it's fair to say that Illumination's been doing pretty good content overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like that's a hard property to tackle because when it came out, it was so meta and so subversive. And it was like, he, this is the the anti-Disney fantasy it film. It was such a... It was, it was the fuck you Disney yeah. movie. And no and, one had ever been brave enough to do a fuck you Disney movie. Well, and it's like one of those really tough lines to walk and they did such a good job with it where it's totally skewering the thing that it's like the the world that it's set in while also being really good like it yeah. is a, a really good comedy and a satire but also just a really good sincere sweet fantasy story yeah yeah because like when you first watched it did you know it was making fun of disney not really no i mean yeah. it was 11 12 or something like that when yeah. it came out and that's what I think is so good about yeah. it. it. It's 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 the Pixar yeah. kind of thing where like or the Simpsons kind of thing where the jokes are for kids, but the overlay is for adults. Yeah, I, I think there, maybe flip that. I don't there know were, how that works. Yeah, well, that's close <laughs> enough. There there were parts of it where I knew that it was going for Disney. Um, like obviously when they did like the Small World style opening booth and the guy in the massive Farquaad head mm-hmm. and all the long lines and stuff like that. There was enough little things I was able to pick up on as a kid, but yeah, I mean I just feel like. I mean, I guess style-wise, they'll probably make it look more like um, Despicable Me and, and Minions more in that sort of art style, which they've worked on. And I, I would think that it would probably also end up skewering younger. Yeah. Would be which my guess. Which is a little upsetting. Because that was one of the best things about it, was that it had that massive age range. I, I rewatched Shrek 2 maybe a year or so ago. It's a masterpiece. It's, the thing is, it's really good. Like yeah. it's, it's a sequel that I would say stands along with its original um, if only just for Jennifer Saunders' amazing cover of "I Need a Hero." It's so good. God, it's, that, that movie. That whole montage is so good. <laughs> so when they're breaking good. into the castle and that song is playing. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, Rupert Everett, so good as the prince. It, I we can go on and on. I but know. I, I mean, I guess 
wait and see. Wait yeah. and see what happens. And, and but I'm I'm kind of skeptical about this. My other big thing is like obviously I I'm pretty sure it's been like confirmed they're gonna make this. But there's been an interview with Chris where he's like, yeah, I don't know how we're going to make it different. Yeah. And that's a big problem. Like, you can't, I say this, but of course, Disney is just straight rebooting their old property. But Shrek, when you're going from animation to animation, you have to do something different. Yeah. It, it doesn't have that facelift element that the live action stuff does. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess like restriction breeds creativity. Yeah. So, I mean, there's something, if I think if you put it in the right hands, it could be really good. I mean, I get maybe if this were in the hands of like Lord and Miller, it's not quite there in line with their comedic styling, but in that sort of sense of like, give it to those people who find a way to make something really unique Mm -hmm. out of something that should be bad. Yeah. Then I'd have more faith maybe than this. Yeah. Because I feel like all the illumination stuff is good, not great. Yeah, because I'll I'll talk about this more in plugs, but I went to see The Grinch. Oh, right. Yeah. uh, The other day. And it was interesting seeing their take on a classic remade live action, now remade animation. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll, I'll loop back around to this conversation. Okay. I am curious your thoughts on that because, um, yeah, that's, that's one of the movies that I I have some curiosity about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, What news do you have, Chris? Uh, I mean, I guess I think we'll do one other little bit of news here. This is mostly for you. (gasps) Oh, thanks. But the, Director of the Lego Batman movie, Chris yes. McKay, who is also still on board. He confirms for us. He, he assures us. Uh, oh, my God. That'd be amazing if they were brothers. <laughs> but so Chris McKay is going to be doing the Nightwing movie, he assures us. Oh. But before he gets that, he's been handed the reins of a Johnny Quest movie. <gasps> oh, shit. Which I'm also excited about. I fucking love Johnny Quest. Now, you... You probably watched the original Hanna-Barbera, right? Yes, the 60s version. Okay. I watched, you... it, I watched it with my dad, and I don't have a lot of memories oh, of wow. watching shows with my dad. Yeah, that's but amazing. But I do remember watching Johnny Quest. Did you ever watch the 90s like VR reboot they did? I don't think so. I don't have any memory of it. Okay, so I'm more familiar with that version where I think, I feel like when they're in like the quote unquote real world that's animated, but then they would go into this kind of Tron esque world and all that would be oh. 3d. It's, it's a Kotalioko situation. Sure. Yep. Let's say that's a thing. Kotalioko was a, a French animated show that was on Cartoon Network from like 2003 to 2007 ish, uh, with one of the best theme songs ever. The show is good, but the theme song is unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest. Okay. Um, yeah, where it's like, it's a combination of... Okay, Quest World. Virtual reality through Quest World, a cyberspace simulation rendered with three-dimensional computer animation and motion capture. It, I mean, it's like reboot level Oh, yes. Animation. Oh, I'm so down for it then. Yeah, but like that's the version that I always knew, and I had, I had a whole bunch of the toys back at that time because they were really cool because they were... Probably oh about, god like, this is beautiful i know it's so wow it's, it's so bad but i i loved the the toys because they're like maybe three inches tall and so they were good for and they were actually like super posable surprisingly for how small they were mm-hmm. but then they had a whole bunch of awesome vehicles like you had race bannon's like kind of like four by four looking truck mm-hmm. which had a whole bunch of gadgets in it and like the front bumper would launch off as a missile and tow cables and you had a uh, like johnny's quest world four wheel like cool motorcycle thing and all these cool i don't know i 
I loved loved the toys. So that's that's my main memory. I haven't seen a lot of the original show. I'm I wonder why they stopped the Hanna Barbera live action reboots. Because we had Josie and the Pussycats. We did, which I think we had Scooby Doo yeah, twice. Yeah, I feel like most people still hold Josie and the Pussycats in a like semi-ironic high regard. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever actually seen it, but I, I have I, not. I, it's like a, it's a cult film. For yeah, sure. I, I pretty much only really heard of it, hear of it referenced in generally positive terms. I feel like it's thrown in with like Clueless, for example, as this mm-hmm. sort of like snapshot of a time period, but it's pretty solid. Yeah. What else? I'm trying to think of the other. I mean, Johnny Quest, obviously. But if, what other, like, human-focused Hanna-Barbera shows there were? Mm, I mean, they did they did live-action Flintstones. That's true, yeah. Um, we never got a Jetsons. No, and Robert Rodriguez has been attached to a Jetsons for a really long time. And it was always unclear if it was going to be live-action or stop-motion or animation or what. Ooh, I'd be down for a stop-motion. Um, sorry, not stop-motion, motion capture. Eh, I would I would love a stop motion (laughs) Jetsons that'd be weird but yeah that they never really they didn't go far with that because that's I mean nowadays a a live action Jetsons would be so easy but I also feel like we're past the point of doing these things as movies I mean we're saying that as we're talking about like a Mm -hmm. Johnny Quest film but yeah I feel like now the strategy is to do a streaming like a modernized streaming adaptation yeah like I'm a little bit surprised this is gonna be a movie I would almost expect them. This it would seems be a great like, limited series. Yeah, I, I would expect a Netflix or an Amazon to pick this up and do either um, like a live action version or like a CGI. Mm-hmm. Like Amazon did Thunderbirds. Yes, and I've seen yeah. like half it. It's actually pretty pretty solid. Like okay. I think it's a, you know pretty good new version of that original show. Mm-hmm. But I'm, yeah, I'm surprised that's going to a film. It seems a little bit weird. I mean, that being said, I'm all on board. Yeah, there was. Uh, it, it's so funny that that came out this week because there was. Um, one of the YouTube channels I watched, so I've plugged them a few times. Um, oh my God, what, I, don't, I don't remember the channel name right now. Oh, Rebel Taxi. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, they just did a video about the failed Flintstone reboots that they tried over the 2000s. Oh my God, yeah. And the big, the biggest one was Seth MacFarlane was supposed to do a Flintstones reboot. Uh, and like 2013 was supposed to be the pilot. Yeah, that's the last I've heard of anything was Seth MacFarlane. I think doing an animated, right? Yeah, it was supposed to be animated. Um, and then there were two Flintstone uh short films on adult swim throughout the 2000s oh i vaguely recall these uh and they were both bad yeah i bet that's those things those are hard properties to do now because they exist in like a sense of americana that is long since gone Yes. Yeah. And that was exactly. So there was an interview with Seth, Seth Farland in 2014, 15, where he said that exact thing where he's like, um, he, his biggest problem was how do you create a Fred that's not a Peter or Homer? Yeah. Cause they've all been subverted mm-hmm. at this point. Like, cause it's, you know, it's a classic nuclear family sort of scenario and like the best friends next door and hey we're all gonna go down to like the water buffaloes club while wilma and betty stay behind and do the dishes Mm -hmm. and it's all done sincerely at the time because that's the way the world worked yeah and if like how do you do that now like how do you make a modernized version of that when it's the thing that's always being made fun of Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah and and they also one of his big points in the video was um talking about how they had the the Simpsons problem where at the time that was like a family cartoon for tended for adults. Yeah. Like there weren't any kids in that show, but as time has gone on, 
they've they've focused on the more child friendly episodes, especially in Boomerang and Cartoon Network, and then of course in the the baby boom of the 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 nineties, yeah, when you had Flintstone Kids and uh, Tiny Toons and Baby Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry Kids and what's the last one? Pub named Scooby Doo. Oh, uh, personal favorite. That's oh god, it's the best one. Um, I mean, like when you stayed home as a kid from school like you've watched all those yeah they were so good but they would throw old stuff oh, up on boomerang man. like Jerry i i want i watched a lot of josie and the pussycats in space okay i don't know if you ever saw that mm-hmm. but yeah they get put inside they somehow like they're performing at some venue and they somehow wander their way onto a rocket ship that looks a lot like an air pressure meter for your car's tires. Okay. And then they get launched into space and it's basically like lost in space, but with Joyce and the Pussycats. Like they just go from like planet to planet and they show up and like solve some problem by singing a song. Why haven't we gotten a Space Ghost movie or live action? Thing? Um, it's because I feel of, like that's is it perfect for today's. Is it because of Space Ghost Coast to Coast? Like that already kind of subverted itself in some ways yeah probably and we also got um harvey birdman attorney at law yeah because i mean that's i think the character's from space ghost right uh i no, he was his own show i believe mm, why do i think well it doesn't matter mm-hmm. but i mean i've always thought space ghost is a really cool look but maybe that's but, i mean that's he's totally like if you want to reboot a series harvey bird uh harvey birdman or space ghost would be great for for a film today i mean true. not yeah. not doing in the coast to coast style but yeah. like an actual sincere like space ghost. Yeah, like that's such yeah. a it it it's the exact same as Power Rangers. Like, you have that audience that loved it as a kid, dealt with it as a as an, a young adult, mm-hmm. and now is like, oh, I like I would love to see a space ghost movie now. Yeah, just tickle my nostalgia. Yeah, It'd be great. Mm-hmm. I'd watch it. Yeah, and I feel we like you know you would watch it. Well, yeah, I'd watch anything with a superhero, yeah. but I feel like especially we're at the like the bottom age cutoff for that show mm, like yeah. the people older than us would love that yeah that's true i think anyone much younger than us wouldn't get it mm-hmm. it would only know it is coast to coast yeah I, I think you are actually the absolute bottom age cutoff on I, that i absolutely like i think i, I think, think there are people the yeah i think you you are this weird outlier i think there are most people older than you still wouldn't be on board yeah but don't worry they've got you they got me yeah i'll go see it a few times y- you are personally keeping hollywood afloat by, I feel like by I feel going like I'm to all the bad ideas, movie pass afloat. Probably, God, you gotta switch to AMC Stubbs, man. I don't live close enough to an AMC. I mean, I do. You but do. Other theaters are closer. I mean, yeah, that's fair. But it's like, can you even still use movie pass at the Grove? Uh, Monday, Tuesday, and sometimes Wednesday. Well, I mean, you you have that freedom to go then. Yeah. It's the fair. rest of us, I, I have to go with the AMC thing. But I love it. I got to go see bohemian rhapsody and imax Ooh. for free we'll come back to that when we get to yes. to bat flags but it's first we should talk about what we should talk, talk about, about, we're talk about. yeah so uh, like we mentioned uh last week while titans is still running we're gonna go ahead and give you guys a break and cut it down to just one beyond episode a week and one titans a week um the goal of which is to try and get these things back closer to like an hour and 20 but then we talk about <laughs> we talk news for, for 30 minutes <laughs> we'll, we'll rush through it'll be fine um but yeah so uh this week we're talking babble mm-hmm from Batman Beyond. Yes. Um, I quite liked this episode. I did too. I think it... Um, I love Shriek. He's, he continues to be one of my favorite villains of Beyond. Oh, yeah. He he is... Well, because he actually has something to do. Mm-hmm. He has a reason for being, and he also has a really cool, interesting power set that they are pretty good about evolving. Yes. 
Uh, I, I will we'll, we'll start from the beginning. Uh, when does it get interesting? Okay, so the the kind of the setup is that it starts off with Terry and Bruce repairing the bat suit in mm-hmm. the cave, and Bruce is just vaguely referring to a time when he had to basically walk into a death trap with no conceivable way out, and he just did it. He had to have faith that Robin would show up and save him, or that it would more or less just like work out. Um, sort of like improvised crime fighting. And obviously that thematically then plays out because Shriek is back. He is keep he's basically holding the city hostage because he keeps sending out frequencies that either like make people's brains rattle because it's super high pitched or it would make the animals go crazy, which is how things start off. Mm-hmm. Ace goes crazy in the bat cave and then Terry heads out to try and fix it. Mm-hmm. When did you know it was Shriek? I think I, I, I probably saw... I think I was looking at the episode description. I think I saw it. Oh, okay. Um, I need to remember to not look at the like the trivia until after I've watched the episode, <laughs> so it doesn't get spoiled for me. But I mean, I think pretty quickly you figure out it's probably him because it's the the noise. Yeah. As soon as it's a sound thing, you're like, okay, it's probably gonna be Shriek. Mm-hmm. What about yeah, you? yeah. What uh, you? Once once he got to the the vet, I was like, okay, it's either gonna be Shriek or a really shitty animal control villain. <laughs> Or Rat Boy's back. Yeah, or Buana Beast. Ah, <laughs> oh, Buana Beast. The evil Buana Beast. <laughs> yeah, or it's like, I don't know, like the Dog Snatcher or some crazy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so basically Shriek's out for revenge because Batman caused him to lose his hearing. Yes, which is a totally... I mean, he, he was a musician. Well, he's that, a sound engineer. Yeah, he was a sound engineer who lost his one tool for work. Yeah, I would definitely want to murder this man too. Yeah, like, like that. That's always like anytime there's a a movie where that's kind of the either the result or the threat is like um, I can get out where the one of the the bidders was an artist who lost his vision. I'm like, fuck, man, that like that shit terrifies me. The wait, remember what I'm talking about? And what? And get out. Oh, and get out. Oh, yes. it took me. Okay, sorry, was... sorry. I did a, a couple jumps there. I was having a hard time following, and you mentioned bitters, and I'm like, like in a drink, bitters? Like, oh, right, people bidding on things. Yes, B-I-D-D-E-R-S. Okay. Yes. Uh, the the white folk. <laughs> oh, Get Out. Mm-hmm. What a movie. Great movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he has all the reason, like, all the right reason to want to get rid of Batman. What, what I thought was interesting about this episode, it felt structured like a Superman episode. In a lot of ways, it's mm-hmm. like basically there's an initial inciting inc- in- inciting incident, and the hero has to go off Batman in this case, obviously, and like deal with this immediate crisis. So he shows up at the zoo and he's trying to capture all the animals as they're going crazy, and then we figure out what's actually going on in terms of the villain, and then it's kind of like every time he goes to do something, he gets distracted by some sort of crisis that's going on. Like as he's heading off to like what the GCP or whatever the sonic shrieking goes out and all of a sudden like the city's falling apart and he's having to use the batmobile to try and stop falling cranes and stuff like that I'm like oh this all feels very superman it does but i don't think that's i think, I think it might thing. just be because the things falling were things i they could have almost traced a superman episode of things falling from a high rise they may have in fact just done some recycled footage that's not here. that's not something that batman deals with like nothing falls in gotham no uh, especially not the crime rate Hey, ah. <laughs> she's clever. Um, but I don't know. I thought it was kind of fun to do it that way. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Cause it like, it Batman... kept the pace going as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, um, 
I, I loved uh, Shriek's sidekick. Uh, not, uh, henchman. Oh, yeah, his henchman. Did you catch who the voice was? I did not. I, I was, Our I good was... old boy, Michael Rosenbaum. Oh, <gasps> Coming back with some more awesome VO work. What a boy. Oh, God, a I great know. boy. He is. Uh, yeah, so we had the fork. Yeah, what? Which I loved. Were you surprised that that didn't really come back for a payoff at all? Yeah, because you saw it. Uh, while they were running from the towers falling, you saw him drop it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is like he's gonna he's gonna like stab the the control panel with this, and it's gonna do something. Cause it and it kind of and it didn't. It's it's a weird idea to begin with because it's basically this little tuning fork that sends out just the right kind of sonic vibrations to trigger like the pleasure centers of your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, I w- so it's basically like the rabbit for your ears. Oh, what I was comparing it to was those those head scratchers. Oh, I, yes. I imagine it was that kind of sensation, or just that that like that nice tingle. It's just it's weirdly satisfying. Yes, yeah, that's what I assume the tuning <laughs> fork is. But like they kind of imply that <clears throat> you get lost into it. it yeah, it, it felt even reminiscent of the um, the Spellbinder episode with the VR simulation. Yes, I actually I'll talk about it more at the in the end at the end of the episode. But I really want uh, to see a Shriek Spellbinder crossover. Yeah. Yeah, I'll that, save that for later. Okay, that would have been cool. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's basically once Shriek puts the city on ransom. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and he does that by um, uh, messing with the air molecules going in your ear. Oh, right. So uh, when you're talking to someone, it just kind of comes out as gibberish. Oh, that was a cool Hence, scene, too. I mean, that was the, that's why it's called Babel, because the Tower of Babel in the Bible the the king of the humans uh sent a curse down which made people basically speak in tongues to each other so no one could talk oh yes. is that why it's called babbling probably i didn't think about that yeah oh but because it, it's a different spelling mm-hmm. too. Oh, yeah and that's also that's in the wasn't there isn't there a batman comic tower of babel well, where Roz is something very similar oh i thought i thought the tower of babel was the justice league story that became justice league doom Oh, I could be wrong. I thought it was. Mm. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know. Smarter people. Bringing in that Catholic guilt (laughs) one more time. (laughs) That was a good reference, actually, because I I knew that Babel was a a religious reference, but I I don't know enough to know what that is. Mm -hmm. I know just enough to get by in a conversation. Hey, that's all you really need. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, and Terry's put in a situation where he has to decide whether he hands himself over or not, because that's what Shriek wants is revenge on Batman. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the whole city turns against him immediately. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Which I thought, was, I thought that was interesting. Like, pretty consistently, everyone turns against him. And I want to know when... So we see Shriek call Barbara and set the ransom on the city. But does he also call the news stations? Or how do the people know about this oh, ransom? That's a good question. I mean, he must... Did he broadcast it too? I mean, he has the ability to. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah, because because I felt like I missed a scene where he gets back in the Batcave and all the people are like, yeah, fuck Batman. We want we want to be able to hear things. And I'm like, well, how did you know about like only Barbara knew and she just called Bruce. Uh, He probably just broadcast it over the airwaves. Yeah, I guess. But that, that is a good point, though. But were you expecting there to be more people? being supportive of him like when they do the like the tv interview montage we were expecting someone to be like no batman's awesome he saved me let's go let's yay batman uh i I was if anything it would probably been like a kid 
in the back. It should have been Matt. Oh, not Matt. Uh, yeah, it should have been Maddie. Maddie. Aww. That would have been really cute. That would have been sweet. But I think like it would have been a kid if anyone. Yeah. Um, but it would have. I if if they put that in, it would have been uh Terry hearing all the negative ones. Bruce turning around and be like, "You don't have to go. Mm-hmm. Terry's gone." And then it's the nice one. Oh, like he just missed it. Yeah, and then and then you get the Bruce half smile. The little like. Because mm. mm-hmm. Bruce was surprisingly uh, supportive of Terry. Well, not I, supportive, but uh, protective of Terry. Well, I think I think it makes sense because obviously, as Batman, I mean, he would have gone, but it, I mean, it's he's Bruce, so he always has like a contingency in place. Like mm-hmm. he. Yeah, he talks about going like headfirst into death traps, but he always has like backup plans in place, and he's always thought thought through. He always finds the other answer. Yeah, um, and he's always kind of meant to be the brains of this pairing. Well, I just meant in every other time we've seen them argue about like putting personal life above Batman, Bruce has been very against that. Where like whenever he whenever he has right. other responsibility, Bruce is like, no, Batman comes first, and now. When Terry has that choice, Bruce is like, oh, well, think about you. Like, you don't have to do this. But I, I feel like I feel like that's so contradictory to everything Batman, everything Bruce has done recently. We're like, I was expecting that it's your responsibility but, to do this for the city. But he never, he never asked Terry to sacrifice himself, right? He, I mean, yes, he asked Terry to sacrifice so many aspects of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Bruce always sees those things as distractions, but I think this is a little bit different where it's like, this is him having to ask this kid basically to go to his own death Mm -hmm. and just given his experience, I can see why this would be like the one thing that would make him go the other way. Yeah. Cause he would do it. He would go to his own death, but he has never asked any of his, like associates to do that. I guess that's part, true. Right. Like you look at like when he was still operating as Batman, you could see like if it was a situation where, like Gordon had to go, he would do everything he can to save Gordon because it's Gordon, but he would also kind of re- respect Gordon and make his own decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, he would try to save him out of loyalty, but he wouldn't save him out of being protective. Whereas I think with all of his, like his wards, all the people yeah, he trained. His, his bat family. Yeah, his family. He it's a little bit different there. Like he would never ask Robin or Batgirl or Nightwing or anyone else to do it. I think that's why. Okay. I I, I, I like that. I liked his turn. I liked that we found the point where he's he's gonna turn against his normal behavior on this. Mm-hmm. Uh question two. Mm-hmm. Can't he control the bat suit from afar? Didn't we see that in episode one? <clears throat> uh, he can shut it down. Yeah, I, I don't know if he can shut it down. I don't know if he can remote operate it, though. Okay. Well, he should be able to. That, and then just have the suit <laughs> The suit show, show up. up and then just be in another suit. Yeah. Or in, like, one of his armored suits. Yeah, or, or, in his, or in his ninja mode, like, when yeah. he had to fight his suit. No, I mean, yeah. That probably would have been a better way to go. <laughs> they, they had other options, yeah. I'm sure. It would have been a, a dumb scapegoat, but... Yeah, yeah, I I like how they did it in this episode. No, I did. I like the I like the moral quandary they put Terry in, and mm-hmm. I liked all the different voices, like Bruce trying to be the voice of reason, um, Max, like my God, think about your your family, like yeah. your mom just lost her ex husband, your brother just lost his dad, like what they're gonna mm-hmm. lose you now. And then you see that flashback too. come back even. Oh right, yeah, he's or... walking past his dad's apartment, and mm-hmm. yeah, when the the Joker's show up, like that, that almost that actually did get me a little bit. Yeah, 
it got me a little well that's why i'll talk about it now because this is the point when i had that idea Mm -hmm. i thought that was the sound affecting him because like the scene right before i even rewound it the scene right before is um streak like turning a dial Mm -hmm. and so then it jumps to the uh the memory which there's no real indication that it's a memory I almost thought it was an illusion. Oh, like a hallucination that was triggered by sound? Yes. Like that? Because, oh. uh, because there's a lot of study that, that sound is, is a very, you know, all, all uh, senses connect to memory mm-hmm. in a specific way, but sound has a very strong connection to memory. And so that's where I, that's where I would love a uh, spellbinder shriek combo is using sound to manipulate memories yeah. and be like a more deadly Mad Hatter. I think it would have been cool to see the two of them not team up, but like butt heads. Yeah. Like get in the way of each other. I think we talked about this a bit with like uh, new Batman adventures and BTOS too, that we never really had a point where two different villains, their meet, like their aims intersected and like oh, yeah, collided. Cause we, Cause we talked about the villain calendar. Yes. Yeah, so that's right. You had that like, yeah. Uh, oh no, I've got a week from Tuesday. No, yeah, no, no, yeah. No, no. You had a book further in advance. Yeah. Like I think, those are two really interesting villains, very different power sets. Um, but also I think they're so singularly driven. I don't see them actually. I was, I was about up. to say very different motives. Yeah. So. I don't see them ever being like, Oh, like we have a common enemy in Batman. They'd be like, fuck you. Get out of my way. Mm-hmm. Like I have stuff to do. I, I, I can do this better than you. Yeah. Well, they're both also very arrogant. Yeah. And I can see them thinking the other one is stupid. Oh, you absolutely. Know, it's like, Oh, like spellbinder. I have access to everyone's brain. Like I have my power is so much greater than you and shriek being like, I ha- like have control over one of like the fundamental elements of the world. Yeah. with sound. And then just being like, no, no. Mm-hmm. Having little, well, little, yeah. Little I mean, it's, it's the two senses tip. fighting. Cause I feel like spellbinder. Yes. He's, he controls brains, but I feel yeah. like he's so focused on like vision. That's true. Yeah. So it's, it's vision versus hearing. Yeah. Now we just need a, a taste obsessed villain. Yes. Condiment King. Condiment King. <laughs> oh my god. Wait, what would Condiment King Beyond look like? Oh my god, a dream. Yeah. Like you there must the be the ultimate villain. There must be like one person from the Jokers who like did some research and came across the the plot line of Make Him Laugh. And I was like, oh, like at one point the Joker like tricked all these people into becoming super villains. Like, I'm gonna become the, the Beyond Condiment King. Yes. But I feel like he wouldn't be you in Catch by mustard. I feel like condiments will have evolved by then. I was gonna say soylent. I feel like it'd be a soylent green parody. The soylent king. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're adding it. We're adding it to the list. Soylent man. Soylent king. All right. I'll, I'll start. I'll start another doodle. I had two other characters that I started working on recently. Wait, which ones? Uh, the the serif sheriff. <laughs> the s- the what was that one of ours? No, no, I, I thought of it with uh, my coworkers at the office the other day because in fonts you have serifs and sans serifs. Yeah, uh, and so we were trying to think of a, a team name for the designers on our uh, in my team because uh, because the animators have we have our own name and the designers kind of don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're the Edomaniacs, in case you were wondering, because it's editors and animators. Of course you are. Uh, and so we were trying to think of a name for the the graphic designers, and I'm like, oh the serif sheriffs shouldn't it be the shouldn't it be the sans sheriffs no because that's dumb that's way better (laughs) so much better (laughs) um and then the other one that i i i just kind of woke up with this dumb idea 
of uh, I wanted a cardboard based villain. Okay. And so it was uh, the what was it the corrugated contender. <laughs> Wait, cardboard is oh right the, internally yeah. it's cork. I was like corrugated steel, but you're right. Yeah, cardboard. It's the same idea. Mm-hmm. As is most IKEA furniture. Yeah, and so I wanted I, I wanted him to be like a former boxer, and that's why he's a contender. Uh, who was hit with some with something, and so either he can can I was I was torn between if he can control cardboard, which is even dumber. Okay. Or if he can just or if he's just like super bendy. I think, I think he's bendy. very malleable to water. <laughs> yeah, very susceptible to water. I think all of his weapons would just be made out of cardboard. Yes. Like you have cardboard gliders that just somehow kind of work, mm-hmm. but they're not great. Well, I I thought of this, Lots and of then cuts. there's. Uh, well, then there's a sat a static shock villain, who paper cuts is, people. That is just a piece of paper. Yeah. Oh, I vaguely the, the recall origami, this. The origami villain. I vaguely recall this character. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, yeah. Now you can start working on <clears throat> the corrugated contender. The corrugated contender, and now, uh, yeah, it's the soylent and king. Now soylent king. Soylent yep. king. Um, but I did, okay, I had another question for you on this episode though. Okay. Because when it ends, so Terry figures out like, oh, obviously the sounds are coming from the building shape like a massive fucking tuning fork. Yeah. What a shock. Also, um, uh, an episode we could never get post nine eleven. Oh, because the building comes down. Yeah, seeing two twin towers falling. Fair enough. But when the tower comes down, Shriek, who's not wearing his helmet now, can't hear crumbling somehow mm-hmm. he misses the vibrations uh, that was in my notes if i like, can't he feel it right but do you think terry could have saved him because i mean i i honestly don't remember if this is the last time we see shriek or not i i, 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 f- I forgot to look that up i believe he comes back in one more episode yeah i think i, I googled that but if this was more likely to be his final episode like if they were going to run with him actually dying in the situation do you think terry could have saved him yeah i think so because that's what i was expecting is when because you, you see the building fall and then it cuts and then it's the the emergency team on on site, and I Terry pushes a rock over. Yeah. We, first you see one of the the sonic cups, and then Terry pushes oh, a rock right, over. Yeah. You see Batman's there. I expected him to be on top of Shriek. Yeah. And like he like just was close enough. He like just he got just him in time. Him. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of a weird. I mean, we've talked about the fact that Terry just holding the tuning fork just lets a lot of people die. Yeah. That's very true. <laughs> just oh yeah, Terry's just sitting there like putting the tuning fork while the building yeah. comes down on him. Um, yeah, I feel like he could have saved him, but I also really liked the the bookends of this episode when they're back in the cave. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That and part. Bruce asks him like, "If you hadn't figured it out, would you have gone?" And Terry's just like, "Got a lot of work to do here, boss. Mm-hmm. Just keep working on the suit." Yeah, it, it's. I think they do a really good job with their dynamic. I do, and that I I had that thought at the end of the episode where I'm like, oh. This is Terry becoming one step closer to Bruce as he can finally make fun of what Bruce does, where he doesn't ever answer a question. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> because we, I feel like the closest we've seen to this sort of dynamic done in live action would actually be Ant-Man in some ways. Okay. Right? Where we have a successor to an established hero. The older hero is always in, like, the older guy's always in his ear. They're always talking, and they have this sort of banter back and forth. Mm-hmm. Do you, so, I mean, that's a thing that has been kind of done, but I don't think it's been explored enough that you couldn't do it in a, a Batman Beyond movie. But, to that point, what part of what makes the series so good is that we have a lot of little moments in each episode, or in a lot of the episodes where we see their dynamics slightly evolve and change, and mm-hmm. we see their chemistry. Do you think that same thing would work quite as well if we're basically only getting say three two-hour chunks 
at a time in a, like a film trilogy. Do you think that that same sort of chemistry would gel? Um, I think so. Because mm-hmm. uh, obviously you can do time jumps. Because well, yeah. I, I immediately went to the um, Anakin-Obi-Wan relationship. Oh, that, that's not true. not specifically in his ear. But I mean, when when we open in episode two, he is in his ear. Yeah. Because is, is no, episode three. Sorry, because that's, that's the, the dog fight scene. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty good scene, actually. It's a pretty good scene. Yeah. I think three is, is an underrated movie. I think... I would agree with you. Mm-hmm. I think it's... Part that of the, fucking fight scene at the end. It's the best unbelievable. Of that, it's the best of that trilogy. And who hasn't said I have the high ground at some point oh in Oh, my life? God. I know. <laughs> or, Don't try it. Or you're a brother to me, Anakin. You were supposed to save the Force, not destroy it. I loved you, Anakin. <laughs> who doesn't quote that entire speech yeah, on a weekly basis? It's it's so good. Like I think, I think what undercuts that is the weird like benny hill style comedy moments especially that opening scene like that is a great idea of them going into a space battle having to get palpatine off of the ship but then they totally undercut it with like all the battle droids being weird and goofy and like oh like we're gonna like bump our way through this elevator look how goofy we are it's like just cut to the seriousness of it i feel like they from episode one i feel like the droids just got even dumber they did they just got progressively goofier and yeah. stupider and it, it like it peaked in the animated movie the, the clone wars animated film yeah i think they were at their peak dumbness i mean uh, and i want to say it's just it's just it's lack of software update it's it's absolutely true yeah it just slowly wears out over time yeah oh, whenever good. they plug you know all the all the uh Everyone has to, whoever's whoever owns the droids has to plug them in to recharge. Yeah, and there's always that pop up of like, hey, do you want like we have a software update? It's gonna take. Do, do you want to install now? Yeah, we I'm have like, to do a no. hard reset, but the, you know you'll get the updated, smarter version. Like a hard, no, we we don't I, we don't have time for this. We got time we for get a, a battle re- in an hour. I don't remember the password. No, oh, what's oh I, yeah? I, they just gotta stay on at all times. Yeah, it's the old login. I don't remember that anymore. We're just they're gonna be fine. Yeah, they'll, they'll do. My supervisor who didn't know the password uh, got his head chopped off by a Jedi. So we'll make it work. Yeah, we we can't update them anymore. <laughs> yeah, I feel like only really Gendy Tarkovsky made the droids cool. Yeah, otherwise they're pretty much just terrible. <laughs> well, because we also had the droidicas, which were which were pretty cool. Yeah, I like their movement, and they seemed like a serious threat until episode three. Yeah, and then they're just like. But in episode one, they were like, yeah, like the uh, uh, Obi Wan and Qui Gon, um, Qui Gon couldn't fight two droidicas. Look, Master, destroy us. Yes, like they and like, they have shield generators. Yeah, that was that was like that was that's how you stopped a Jedi. Yeah, and then they just never appeared again. Yeah, and then from that point on, it's like, oh, it's really easy to take yeah. them out. Like, all right, you know, gotta have a, a reliable power system. You know, if I were if I were a Jedi and I came across a destroyer droid like that, what I would do is I would uh, cut a hole underneath me in a circle, fall through, and then I'd walk over and use the force sense where they were, and I would just like stab my lightsaber up through the ground mm-hmm. and take them out with like the gap in their shield. Yeah. Well, isn't the shield just in front of them? No, it, it's, is it is it all the way around? It's, them? Yeah, it's fully enclosed, like enclosing. But obviously, once it hits the ground, it stops. Like yeah, like it doesn't pass through the ground. Like it hits a barrier, and it stops. Because I don't think it goes then underneath their feet. Hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a cookie jar. I would um, I would cut a ho- I would follow your plan. I'd cut a hole, but make it just small enough so when they were in sphere form, they couldn't fit in. Because you know Ooh, they're very yeah. slow when they're not in their sphere form, and so either you have time to get around them, or they just get stuck. Yeah, 
These things are not that hard. No. Come on, Jai. We learned droids are stupid. That's just, <laughs> droids are the stupidest thing in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, any other thoughts on Babel, or should we should we talk about Titans? Oh, I, I, there's one other point. Okay. Uh, I was where I was ready for the the texting and driving PSA, <laughs> because uh, when they when they lose their ability to communicate, yeah, <clears throat> uh, they they switch to uh, messaging each other. Oh, yeah. From the Bat Cave to the Batwing, and I was really expecting when you see the crane fall. Uh, like Terry almost running into it, Cause he's and if cause, yeah, because he's texting, and yeah. I'm like, guys can't text and drive. Yeah, it's, it's even more dangerous. Texting data, you up? Mm-hmm. Huh? Uh, but then also with that, with the sound thing, uh, one, one more quick point. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it have also affected all of the sound effects, or all like I, I think it would have been a little too weird if they completely rearranged the foley work. Oh, I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because all I mean, all sound waves would have been disrupted. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Because uh, then there was that a, would have been very trippy. It would have been. Because uh, then there was a, a fairly odd parents episode. Because I gotta gotta sneak it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Timmy wishes for no sound. Oh, I think I remember. It's that episode. It's a great episode. Yeah. Uh, and I would have. I just really wanted to see Bruce and Terry have to result to resort to uh, charades to communicate. Yes. Because I, I just want to see Bruce just have to get yeah, up like, and do something. Tap, tap. Two syllables. Yeah. <laughs> one word. Bruce would be terrible at charades. Mm-hmm. Bruce would be terrible at every party game imaginable. Oh, I was, mm, Trivial Pursuit. Not really a party game, but... I think, okay. Risk. I bet he I bet he would win every okay, you game know what? Risk. Actually, that's fair. Because you've read Hush, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in Hush, he and Tommy oh, always that's right. the, play that Risk-style game. Yeah. But that's not really a party. That's not like... That's, yeah, these are these aren't parties. That's are a board game games. of strategy. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't, I don't see Bruce Monopoly. joining in a game of Balderdash. <laughs> I think. How do you think Bruce would win Monopoly? Would he just buy off the other players? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't even play the game. He would just give people money to win. Actually, what he would do is uh, he would introduce a token into the game that was Batman, <laughs> and then by consequence. Uh, other tokens would generate, would pop up who were villains. Mm-hmm. And those villains would go around and just like sabotage people's property and like derail the train and stuff like that. Yeah. And then he would swoop through and stop the crime. But then when there's a problem, he would then chip in with his money and like take it all over. If there was a Gotham Monopoly board, do you think instead of properties, it would just be uh, like chemical facilities? Yes. It's all it is. <laughs> it's just there's so many toy factories. Amusement park, uh, amusement park. It'd be amusement parks instead of railroads, right? Uh, yeah, gumball factories, mm-hmm. um, chemical plants, hall of mirrors, cryogenics. Yeah, uh, uh, random buildings that have two different facades and happen to be on a two-numbered street. I feel like we need to make this this version of Monopoly. Yeah, where it's, it's uh, villains, Gotham, Gotham by villains. Yes, and it's just all the properties are where every origin comes from. Yeah, yeah. I'd play that version. I would absolutely play that version. Yeah. I mean, you can do custom Monopoly boards. Yeah. Arkham Asylum is clearly the prison. Yeah. The go to jail is caught by Batman. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Is this is this not a thing? I don't think so. No one steal this. Yeah. We've declared cut, it here. If if it's if this is a good idea, cut it out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really good idea, actually. Oh my God. Wait, hang on. Let me just let me double check this real quick. I think mm-hmm. no one's done this. Uh, but but I have a, I have a another point about Bruce and party games when we talk about Titans. Oh, oh okay. Can we start talking about Titans? Though? We can start talking about Titans. Um, okay, I see Batman. I see Batman Monopoly. Oh wait, hang on. 
Disney villains Monopoly. This is not the same thing. Oh. Batman. I had this Batman Monopoly actually. Doctor Who Monopoly. Um, I don't see. Is there a Batman Clue? Cause that that has to exist. Please, 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 please. I don't think so. Wow, that's <gasps> upsetting. Let's this, make a Batman Clue. Can we please? This is actually bothering me now because Clue is my all-time favorite board game. I know it is. That's why I thought of it. Yes. Oh my God. What? What? The world needs to catch up with us. Yeah. On all of this. God damn it. Um, okay, well, we have some some board games to go and make. Yeah. yeah. Um, but first, I. Oh my God. I've been dying to talk about Titans. Oh, oh God. I had started. so much fun with this episode. Did you? I did. I absolutely. I my problem loved is now it. I'm just coming in not liking it, and so I'm just finding what, the bad points. What has happened? I don't what has know. happened here? You you are the <laughs> you love all the shittiest things on the planet, <laughs> and I'm a cynical bitch all the time. And somehow we have swapped places entirely on this. Yeah. And I unironically enjoy this show. And you despise it. <laughs> I don't despise it. I'm still excited every time an episode comes out. I mean, are you, though? I just I just have such a bad time nitpicking everything. I think that's it. I don't really get into nitpicks. Like, I'm looking at my notes right now, um, and it's all pretty much positive stuff. Yeah, Beast Boy is an exhibitionist. Yeah. Which is great. Not enough of an exhibitionist. Hmm? Not enough of an exhibitionist. I mean. For me. Okay. They weren't showing enough Beast Boy for me. I didn't realize that was a thing until I was like being denied it. And then I was like, damn it. Give me some Beast Boy skin. I mean, we don't know how old he is in this show, Chris. He's over 18. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure. I mean, in real is. life, the actor probably is. But I don't think Beast Boy is. I think so. Because Raven's supposed to be like 15, 15 or 16. I think they said 16. So I think he's also 16, Chris. Anything you want to retract? <laughs> um so what did you like about this episode <laughs> uh, uh what did i like about this episode okay i i, I got some stuff okay i let's, got some let's stuff see what you like um about this i liked that finally we've addressed the fact that everyone around dick grayson should be thirsty as hell yes i did like that because they I, got, I did enjoy yeah, that because they they traded in the porsche or minivan which i thought was a fun little bit and they go to stay at this random motel, and the the divorced woman who now runs it and is kind of alone and bored, she's like, oh, like, if the ice machine's not working, just, like, come and knock on my door. It's, like, mm -hmm. room 101. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, get I'll, all thirsty. I'll knock. Yeah, and then Starfire 2, she's like, I'm going to hop on that. Mm -hmm. Good on you. Yeah. I like, And I love, too, when she went to the liquor store, and they're like, well, you know, what alcohol should I get? Well, it all depends on what your end game is. You know, if you want to be quizzical, you want to have thoughts, you get some whiskey, you know. But if you want to party, you get beer. Yeah. She's like, yes, tequila. Give me that tequila. I'm like, yeah, girl, you get that tequila. You get that tic-tic. Yeah. Um, I, I started theorizing uh, why Dick is such a dick. Okay. Um, and one of my one of my ideas was, because Dick kind of hints about or we, we see in the previous episode in the, in the dumb flashbacks, because I, I want them to mean something. Yeah. Um, where he wanted to go hunt down his murderer. I forgot that was a thing. Murdered. Yeah. Because they never did anything with it. Exactly. Hmm. So this is how I want them to tie it back. Okay. Um, I think, obviously, I think Bruce crossed a line, and I think he killed someone. Yeah. And I think Dick also might have killed someone. Oh, interesting. And I think Bruce killed... Uh, dick's parents murders murderer 
And that's oh. why he can't, like, he can never get that closure. And that's yeah. why he doesn't know where the line is, line is anymore. I mean, that that's an interesting theory. I think that could justify why he's just got, like, anger blue balls all the time. Because mm-hmm. hmm. that, that's exactly what he has. Like, that yeah. is 100% anger blue balls. Yeah. Have I ever, ever explained to you my emotional Venn diagram? I don't think so. Uh, so one circle is angry. Mm-hmm. One circle is horny, and the middle is blue balls. Yeah, and that's the grand extent of my emotional bandwidth. I think that's all men. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so, uh, so we see. So this is the point I wanted to bring up with the party games. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Starfire come into Dick's room, and in an attempt to get him drunk, they do one shot and fuck. Um, yeah, yeah, which, which is you know whatever. He knew what she was there for. Yeah, well, I mean, he's, he, he's trained by the world's greatest detective. So this is my question about about Bruce. Um, do you think Bruce uh, had has to uh, somehow raise his uh, tolerance for alcohol so he never gets drunk on the job? It's so like when he has to when he has to drink in social situations, he can still fake it while still like that's part of his training. His conditioning yes. is just like slowly building up. I mean, building up tolerance. And then if the answer is yes, does he make a dick do that as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like 13 year old <laughs> Dick Grayson. It's like, all right, tonight we're doing tequila training. Yeah. <laughs> Alfred. Yeah. Need a shitload of limes. <laughs> and can you, you even... please bring the, the pink Himalayan salt? Yes. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't no Morton's on the Wayne table. Cause that's what I, that's honestly what I wanted like okay yeah fine they fucked that that's always that was obviously gonna happen yeah because the the robin starfire relationship she had the boots on too oh yeah she did mm. he couldn't get them off yeah well <laughs> didn't need to <laughs> um that was that's honestly where i wanted the show to go was i wanted them to be in a drinking contest where dick is trained not to get drunk and starfire is alien so she has a much higher tolerance, tolerance. yeah like a, a Miriam Ravenwood sort of situation. Mm-hmm. All the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That would be great. Yes. But then like they would need Beast Boy to come in uh, and just get drunk immediately. That's a terrible thing to say, Cameron. Beast Boy is probably 16. He should not be drinking. Yeah, they're not his parents. <clears throat> but like, I don't know. I thought this episode, it finally let itself be a little bit fun. It, it was a like, fun episode. We got a training but... montage, finally. And I liked, I really liked Not the training. Not really a montage, but a training <sighs> Okay, scene. we got a training sequence. I wanted a full montage. Because you have to have a montage. I wanted. I just wanted a song. I just wanted a montage song. Do we? Did they put a song no. on the... Oh, I didn't even think about that. For I mean, a show that loves to really do really weird song placement, they didn't do one of that montage, or yes. the training sequence, did they? I got, I got uh, montage blue balls. <laughs> <laughs> I was promised. I was promised a montage. I was promised montage, and they te- they tickled me with it. they but, tickled me with it. But like that that training sequence is pretty fun though, mm-hmm. because they all actually get a sense of like, oh fuck, like we're actually really powerful, all of us, even one on one. Like everyone's like taken aback by how good like how powerful Starfire is, mm-hmm. and I also like too that we we finally got a chance to see Raven kind of in control of her power. Like yeah, it goes. She starts to lose control, and Starfire has to shut it down. Um, and we get that moment where Raven reacts to it. Like, I just hate that it's coming out of her mouth. Like, they make the powers so disgusting. I know. I know it's weird. But Beast Boy can <laughs> still only turn into a fucking tiger. That'll change. Again, he has to have room to grow. Yeah. <laughs> it's so frustrating. He has to strip still. 
I have no comment on that. I know, I know. Neither of us do. <laughs> For legal purposes, I just have no comment on that. <laughs> I would. I just really want. Um, I really want a scene in the next episode where they go the same route from what we do in the shadows, where the were- the the werewolves have to wear, um, well, like yo not yoga pants, uh, stretchy pants. Oh, okay. So they transform. Moons. Yeah. Yeah. Where like uh, Dick comes in with a pair of stretchy pants and he's like. like these are for you. This is your training. Yeah. Don't rip these. Which then be so funny to watch him as a tiger with, with in, sweatpants in, on. In weird, like, purple sweatpants. I would fucking love that. What shoot? Would he be wearing, like, Crocs or something? Like, something you can easily throw off yeah. in a moment? Well, he still has to be able to run. So, clearly Crocs. Yeah, exactly. Because he can just, like, chuck those off real fast. Mm-hmm. So, Beast Boy is just walking around in, like, a wife beater, purple sweatpants, and Crocs. Yes, that's his new costume. God, that's a hell of a uniform right there. It's a beautiful uniform. <laughs> but it's like, but even the, the scene where we got to see Beast Boy's transformation, like, it was, it was fun. It was playful. Most of the episode was kind of that way. Even, like, the weird stuff with, I guess they're called the Nuclear Family. I think that's, like, the official name mm-hmm. they have. Um... Like, all that stuff continues to be weird and baffling, but... Like, I, I'm still so intrigued by that stuff. I think that's part of it, is that it's such a weird idea, and those characters are just so offbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, but in an appealing way, though, because I think there's a lot about the show that just seems a little bit off, but something about them is just done in the right way. And and I liked how Dick handled the situation. Like, once they, once they knew they were beat, they surrender. Yeah. And then they go into interrogation where Dick obviously is interrogated before, so he knows how to keep his cool. Yeah. And then immediately understands, like, oh, they're brainwashed. I've seen this before. Yeah. I know how to handle this. We're not going to get anything There's from There's nothing them. we can do about it. Yeah, because he, he's still smart. He, like, he still is very well trained. Mm-hmm. And also, I really liked the fight sequences in this. It was pretty good. I, I actually think that of the two of them, the the fight before Dick puts on the Robin costume in the hotel room. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, I like that more. That's really, really well choreographed. Yeah. Like, it's cool. It goes to show how good he is, actually, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And it was weird because I thought he also, I, mean, I guess because he's finally up against people who can fight him, but he wasn't overly gratuitously violent. Like, he was doing what he can to disarm them and take them down. Oh, no, he was, he broke limbs. I think they just have a healing factor. Well, yeah, but I guess what I mean by that is, like, Maybe because that they can actually go toe to toe, it didn't feel quite so egregious. Yes, like when he throws. Is this even interesting? Because when he throws the the Robin Rang, it ends up in her forehead, not in her eyeball, which is like his go to move. <laughs> that was a weird little change. But that yeah. that hotel fight sequence and the Starfire is part of it too. Also, really well choreographed. Like mm-hmm. there's that cool shot when they're at the end of the hallway and it's like they're there's a blue light behind them, so they're basically in silhouette, and she's fighting the two of them. Yeah, no, it was a very pretty kids. fight. Like, I, I did enjoy both fight scenes a lot i I mean i think this is the best fight scene we've had so far like Mm -hmm. it's really well choreographed it looked cool um and it didn't feel over the top yes yeah and Uh, i i I even thought that once he put on the robin suit too and came back to the fight that was also still pretty good i'll actually jump back a second too when they're in the hotel room i loved that he's using the case as a weapon like we can tell that he wants to try and probably open it to mm-hmm. get access to his weapons but barring that the case itself will be a weapon yeah it, it's a yeah it's a shield and a, it's a shield and a sword for him yeah it's really really clever mm-hmm. see see it's good Ugh. there's good stuff in there here. is good stuff i i just have a lot like there's like I said, fighting but, yeah. there's boning mm-hmm. bone breaking bone breaking <laughs> it's checking all my boxes uh i mean just like just to jump back for a second the intro of the episode was so gross. 
where he cracks the egg oh, and it's God. the fucking it's uh, a fertilized chicken. egg. Yeah, yeah a, so there's a chicken and then continues embryo. to eat it. Yeah, but it it's really gross. But it's effective though. Yeah, to show that this guy is also not all there. Yeah, or, yeah. Um, and I think that was that was good for later in the episode. We learn that he isn't the, he he isn't the top dog. There no. are people above him. Yeah, and so he's also kind of been numbed like the rest like the nuclear family yeah now so because after they detain the nuclear family the titans they like they team up together they fight back it's a cool scene Mm -hmm. beast boy finally uses his powers to fight somebody which was fun Uh, yeah what that was good he like turns he runs off turns into tiger comes back grabs the the bat the kid swinging around Mm -hmm. just throws him off it was good yeah (laughs) raven used her powers she was in control raven did use her powers i I'm a little upset that she got control so fast. But I mean, they, they alluded to her. She had control for a good chunk of that training sequence. Yes. And then it went too far. So Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. It didn't feel like it was too much of a stretch there. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, yeah, that's fine. I just don't want it coming out of her mouth. It's so weird. You're just going to have to deal with it. I know. Deal with it, Cameron. Uh, You know what villain I want to see come into this? Mm. I want Jinx to pop up. Oh, Jinx, uh, she's got the kind of, um... Pink pixie hair. Pink pixie, yeah. The, well, mm-hmm. that, it's not, it's not, not a pixie. Not pixie cut. No, no, sorry. She kind of looks like Maleficent. Yes. Slash shock T. Yes. The Twi'lek Jedi. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Or her power is just generating bad luck. Yeah. Wait, I feel like someone else has that power, right? I feel like a Marvel character has that. Well, Domino is the opposite, where she... Makes good luck. Yes. Only for herself, though. Yeah. It's not a power. How would you make that look cool visually? Um, Jinx would be fun to show up here. See, I think that's mm-hmm. that's the thing is, I, I keep saying this all the way along, Titans for me has potential. It does. And I think if they, because we know they're going to a season two. Yeah. Once they team up, I think having villains their age, because I think having a having the Hive be the main villains of season two yeah. would be awesome. Yeah. Mainly because I just want more connection to the animated show. Right. Where we get Gizmo and Jinx well, and Mammoth. And um, what's really interesting is I know Cinderblock. we're getting Cyborg in Doom Patrol. Okay. So that opens up the possibility by the time that season two of Titans rolls around, you could get Cyborg I don't, in the Titans. I, I feel like he's graduated. this, in, in just all of DC, we've seen him graduate into Justice League now. I would agree with that, mm-hmm. but okay. why is he in Doom Patrol then? Like, if if DC was still treating him as like one of their their A list heroes, why would you include him in a TV show when you're deliberately excluding all the A list heroes? That's true. Right. Uh, just just so Robot Man can see, uh, it's another robot eat food. Yeah, and get all sad. Mm-hmm. Well, because uh, there's that great episode of Teen Titans to throw it back one more time uh some of his parts uh season one episode oh right five, yeah where he does where he where he is almost transformed into full robot and then yeah. then then again in season three i think uh where he has to fight maximus who is a stronger robot who's who's full robot um oh yeah and doesn't he try to go full robot he he like thinks that touch. in order to beat him because yeah. maximus uh, one, I think it's, I think it's Maximus. It's Maximus, Decimus, Meridius. Yes. Yes. Um, <clears throat> this is the Gladiator sequel. Yeah. Um, they're actually doing that. I know they are. Yeah. Um, 
when he beats Cyborg, his trophy is he he takes the rest of the Titans. Oh right, uh, as, yeah. as as you know his his prize. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Cyborg doesn't believe he can go past his his limit of a hundred percent. And so then too human is the episode. Oh okay. Um, so I don't know why I remember these episode names. Yeah. I did much better at these in the the Batman Beyond or the uh, Beatles episodes. You're a savant. <laughs> um, so then he goes back to his his human roots of like when I played football, I always gave it 110 percent, and mm. I can't do that as a robot. Oh right. And then he's like, oh wait, but I'm still part human, so that part of me can go beyond the 100 percent. The magic was inside you all the time. Exactly. And I <laughs> fell I fell hook, line, and singer for that episode. I mean, it is, that you is can a, do it, Cyborg. Come on. It, buddy. It is, I mean, that is a good show. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that Teen Titans never did was end an episode on a bombshell cliffhanger with fucking Jason Todd swinging in there <sighs> to wreck some shit up and go, sup, bro? I'm Jason Todd. I'm the new Robin, bro. Was that? Okay. I wasn't bro. sure if that was Jason or Tim. No, it's Jason. Okay. See, that, that's the thing is like, this is giving us our first ever live action Jason Todd. Mm-hmm. Like this show is giving us so many firsts. Like all pretty much all the characters that are in this show, with the exception of Dick Grayson, this is the first time we're ever seeing any of them. That's and even then, true. this we've never seen a Dick Grayson without Batman, which I think to some degree is actually becoming a fault on the show. But I also agree. Yeah, I, I think him being in the like in the background is only going to last so long and still make it make sense. Well, I feel like that might be why Jason is there. Oh, I think is, so. Is there yeah. gonna, is, I think he's going to where where Dick has been very closed off about a lot of his issues. I see Jason being the loud mouth. Right. It's be like, uh, I feel like he's going to talk to to Beast Boy to Garfield, and and Gar is just going to be like, so like, what is his deal? He's like, yeah. oh, Dick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bruce killed a guy in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> or not Bruce. Batman killed a guy in front of him. Yeah. It was and then crazy. he just like left. It's nuts. Like, it's crazy. And I'm like, I really? I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to what happens next. I think there was a clip put out early on that showed a bit of the two of them, mm-hmm. which I actually I kind of wish they hadn't done. I would have loved it if I'm like if I because I basically knew once someone else comes in to save Dick from the the armed force guy, like the the SWAT team that comes in to take him out at weird chicken man's house. Mm-hmm. Um, Doctor Adamson. The doctor. The doctor. Um, I basically knew that was going to have to be Jason Todd because I knew the next week. I think the oh, so the you ep- saw the promo before the episode. But there was a, a clip released before DC Universe even launched the show. Oh, the two of them. I, I guess I just kind of walked. Yeah, so out. I've all, like I've known this entire time that we we're going to meet Jason. I would have really loved if that was legitimate, like surprise at the end, like like ho- like holy shit, it's Jason Todd. Because mm-hmm. I I think Jason Todd's a fascinating character. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think maybe you even mentioned this. I feel like off air, but, or someone mentioned this, but how like the way they've set up Batman in this of being like a killer, how could you ever do um, red hood? Oh, very true. I, I, you, I think you had that conversation with someone else. Okay. I can't um, remember. Well, cause I, there was, um, I, I, I brought up a conversation, I think on air uh, months ago about how the Robins interact with each other. And how kind of Tim and Jason both kind of like resent Dick because that's what they're always being compared to. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's that great line in uh, in Hush when it's when Jason Todd or version of Jason Todd at least makes an appearance. Mm-hmm. Or no, maybe that. W- no, I guess that was actually in Under the Red Hood comic 
But somewhere he he makes a comment. Maybe it's, I don't whatever. Somewhere he makes a comment about how Batman made him dye his hair black so he looked like Dick Grayson. Oh, okay. he's naturally redheaded. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that Bruce made him do that, which is like you can totally see Batman doing that to like give the impression of consistency between the Robins. Yeah, which is also it's also just really fucked up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's like hey, can you be more like the guy you're replacing? Well, I I see it from from Bruce's standpoint. I see it as a fear tactic to villains where it from their perspective, they almost seem like these immortal beings. Yeah. Or like that's they true. are unkillable. They don't age. Yeah. Like it's like Bart Simpson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How long have you been 10? Right. I, I, I'm really excited to see what they do mm-hmm. with Jason and, and it'll be interesting to see him as a counterpoint to Dick because the, this version of Dick Grayson, I think actually shares a lot of similarities with the comic version of Jason Todd. Yeah. I was, I was just about to bring up, uh, in under the red hood in the movie, Mm -hmm. you do see that point where Jason starts to cross that line Yeah, where, you know, he, he breaks a guy's collarbone. Yeah. Uh, and Bruce scolds him for it. And like that, that's exactly what Dick is doing right now. Well, because that was always one of the interesting things about Jason, like, and it was, Again, I'm pretty sure it's Hush. Bruce kind of acknowledges it that Jason really should never have been there in the first place. Mm-hmm. That he just never had the talent that Dick did. And he also just, the, his background was so different. Like Dick and Bruce came from, they were born from the same circumstances, right? They both had really loving, supportive families who are taken from them. Yes. And so their motivations come from the same place. Whereas like Jason, I think, was already orphaned and like living on the street. And had already developed that calloused personality um, when he shows up. And so he just, his, his slippery slope was there already mm-hmm. as he just got darker and darker. And he's the sort of person when you hand him power is corrupted by it. And I feel like that's a part of this version of Dick. So I'm very curious to see how they, what they do with the two of them, how they pair them off. Yeah. I know. I'm excited. Cause, yeah. cause uh, in that, you know, in that 10 seconds we got of Jason, mm-hmm. he seems very cocky. He did. And I'm really excited to see. That's really important. That compare that compared to kind of the stoic dick we have right now. Yeah. Maybe we'll get a little bit more charisma, which I still maintain is one of the biggest problems in the show. Especially with Dick. Especially with Dick. But definitely not with Corey, who continues to get like the best lines in every episode. She's definitely still the best character here. Oh, yeah. And again, this is not the version of Starfire we know, Mm -hmm. but I really like this character. I really like that character in this show. Yeah. She's the best character. She's awesome. Uh, there were, there were a few small things that I found, uh, Ray, I didn't notice since I think this might've been the first time we saw it, but, uh, Raven has her crest on her backpack. Yes. Oh, yeah. She's always had that. Yeah. Okay. I, mm-hmm. I just noticed it in this episode. Um, what else did I say? Uh, when I put the mask on, I become someone I can't control. I hurt people. I thought that was an interesting saying. Yeah. There, there, there was a really good line in here. Um, Oh, once you become a weapon, you only see the world as a weapon. I oh, love yeah. that idea from Dick. Yeah. Because that's that's very much a Bruce mentality. It is. is well, and it, did he say that in reference to himself or is he referencing the nuclear family? He said that in reference to to himself and training everyone else. Okay, that's right. Because I, I think it was Starfire asking him about training Raven. Mm-hmm. And that's oh, when he's right. like, yeah, once he's you're like, a weapon, you, only, you can only be a weapon. Oh, yeah, because isn't it... I think... Dick even says he feels bad about turning them into weapons. Yes. No, yeah, that's exactly what it is. He, yeah. he feels about bad about everyone training. Yeah, but he, he understands the necessity of it. Mm-hmm. 
which I mean, I would give them some credit there. At least I, I have issues with his portrayal overall, but the idea that he has Batman's point of view, but doesn't necessarily agree with it. Yes. And I feel like that's maybe the only moment so far in the show where we've seen that. But I think that's a really important distinction that you have to have with Dick in comparison to Bruce. Mm -hmm. See, I think there's some room here. There's room. There is. I, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take back what I said earlier, but there there are, (laughs) there are some good points in this, in this show. Yeah. I'm still really liking it. Mm -hmm. I still look forward to it every week. Beast Boy, when Beast Boy's in Raven's room and he says, I'm not going to do anything weird. I'm like, yeah, you just fucking exposed yourself to her an hour ago. Yeah. Yeah, good job. Yeah, you can't get much weirder than that. Uh, let's see. I think I think that might be all my notes. Okay. Uh, one shot and it's fuck time. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fuck o'clock. Oh, I said that might have been... I said that might have been one of the least sexy sex scenes done by DC. I was on board with it. I mean, I feel like they do it better on CW. Uh... I, I feel like Olicity... Oh, is, uh, as as much as as much as we can hate on Olicity, and I don't know what they've been doing in the past four five seasons. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I just it goes back to the charisma thing. I don't see Dick like attracted to Corey in any way. And that sex scene I just saw is him scooting the question. But okay, so say. Say that's the case. Say he's like not necessarily specifically into Corey. Mm-hmm. That means that Corey it's more that more that Bruce training. All that Bruce training, just go with the flow. But like, what that you don't what, want to answer a question. I, I, okay, I think I know why. To me, this sex scene worked. Okay, which is that it's all Corey. Mm-hmm. She's the one who wants it. She's the one that instigated it. She's kind of like taking charge in the whole situation and. Dick's basically just going along with it. Yeah. Which I kind of like. It was basically, it was all done from her POV all the way through, which I think is really important. Um, Especially because we don't see a lot of that in TV shows. If if you do see the woman pining after the man, it's always kind of either waiting for him to do the move or coming off as desperate. Yeah. And that's not here at all. She's just like, she's totally self-confident. She's totally controlled. She's like, I want this. I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I see where you're coming. This is, she's James Bond. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. And they, I mean, this is probably part of the reason I love that character is that she is this kind of James Bond role in the whole thing. But I guess to me, that's what made it sexy was her confidence in the whole thing. And the fact that she's in charge of it. And if there is one character that I feel totally fine making just kind of a passive sex object in comics, it's Dick Grayson. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Because he, he's, like, that's always been a thing in comics, even. Everyone's always, like, hitting on him and kind of flirting on him. And it, just the idea that he's, like, okay, I'm going to go with this. He, he's a sexy lamp with a knife. He is. Yes. Yes. Or I love it. Staff. Or a bow staff. Yeah. He's he's a sexy lamp with some escrima sticks. How about just a sexy bow staff? I'm, I'm all down. <laughs> yeah, I'm down with it. Yeah. Dick Grayson, the sexy bow staff. Yeah. Yeah. The well-rounded sexy bow staff. Yeah, we'll go uh, with that. Looks not this version though. I'm gonna be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. That butt's still lacking. He needs to do some squats. Yeah, I'm sorry, but Dick Gray, like a proper Dick Grayson in a towel, like that backside should be poking way out there. We like comic, like comically, like I'm talking like Fairly Odd Parents, like weirdly over exaggerated butt. butt style, like huge bubble. Oh, butt. I was I was gonna go with uh, 
at the the post sex scene should have just been um the scene from from fucking Kumite. What's the name of the movie? Bloodsport? Bloodsport. Where where it's Dick doing the splits in his underwear. Yeah. And just looking out the window. Like, I feel like in the same way that most shows, like, don't ever include the scenes where the hero stops to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I feel like this show does include the scenes where, like, five times a day, Dick stops to just do a shitload of squats. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I would like I, uh, them to start an episode with, like, with his morning routine. Yeah. Cause I think that would, cause I think that's such a underrated aspect of both Bruce and Dick. Mm-hmm. Cause we kind of get it in begins and right. year one where he wakes up and just immediately starts doing pushups. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd love to see, to see Dick do that where, you know, he does like some shadow boxing mm-hmm. squats, squats, something else squats. <laughs> he, he only navigates Wayne Manor with lunges. That's yeah. how he walks. Well, around. It's, it's called a monster walk. Yeah. What? Uh, when you, well, there, there's the sumo walk and monster walk. Um, if you ever, so, sorry, there's no the, elaborate. I think, I think I've done these, but explain. Oh no, no, I was going to say there's a, there's a new anime. I just started watching Jesus all about competitive sumo wrestling, which is fascinating. Um, and so is, is there, no. this, this is not a challenge, mind you. This is just like more or less a yes or no question. Is there any topic you cannot tie back to an anime? No. Okay. There we go. All right. I thought you were going to ask, is there a sport they haven't done? The answer is also no. There's a badminton. I mean, there's fucking male figure skating, which is one of the most beautiful anime that's been out, Yuri on Ice, which also deals with a lot of homosexuality, which is great for a Japanese show. Okay. Obviously, I'm all bored with that. Mm -hmm. Mohoma, more better. Mm -hmm. But also, we're like an hour and 25. We we promised people we'd be short on this. I'm not letting you go down a goddamn anime hole. (laughs) Okay. I don't have to talk about the sumo walk then. Also, I feel like there's something out there called the anime hole, but we're going to ignore that and keep going. Wait, no, but hang on. Clarify for me. What's what's a monster walk? What's a sumo walk? Oh, monster walk is just uh, you're in a squat and then you uh, you're you're kind of like shuffling like Zoidberg. Uh, not sideways, but okay. yeah, uh, yeah, you're, you're kind of, oh, like you like twisting want, your hips yeah, while like you walk left, right. Yeah. Left. And the, the difference Bumping is the cable left, yeah. right. Okay. With a sumo walk, your hips stay forward the whole time. Okay. So it's more on the, uh, it's a lot more on your uh, quads. Than okay. Your glutes. I love it. He's doing all of it. Mm-hmm. It's the only way he gets around. Yes. And he gets around. Um, okay. Shall we do notes from friends? Let's do some notes from friends. All right. Uh, so want to one just thank everyone for all the love we got after we posted our 100th episode yes just, thank you just, so much just really nice things from everyone it's again we this is basically like the well the most fun part of doing this is hanging out with you every week cameron oh thanks the second most fun part of this is all the cool friends we've made and how much love we get for what we yeah. do because I, I even read some of the messages this week messages this week i know I, you, I really you guys the... you your love got cameron to passively interact with our social media accounts yes, that, I that read shows some the power <laughs> that's the power of love that's the power of love. Thank you, Huey, Huey Lewis. Um, yeah, so thank you to that. Uh, and then uh, I feel like every week we can always count on a good message from Maddie. And uh, he pointed out to us after we did our, our sporkle. Oh, God. Oh, God. Our, uh, our, our sporkle thing last week. Um, he Because we, we gave ourselves a point for the terrible trio did we say it wrong? did we say terrific trio we said the terrific trio i thought so which he, he pointed that out to us uh yeah and then that he i posted a, a gif of one of the penguins of madagascar being like you didn't see anything which then him him pointing out to me that apparently dreamworks had their own version of mario kart with both like the characters of madagascar and shrek 
I remember that game. I, it's just horrifying to know those things exist in the same place. Yeah. Um, oh, you never. Oh man, it, there's such a fascinating history about the the evolution of kart racing games. Where after Mario sixty four, everyone jumped into the kart racing franchise. Uh, bonus episode: the history of kart games. I mean, do you even want to like? Do you want to talk about that? Because yeah. I feel like that's just me talking. So I would be fascinated by it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Some, sometimes I, I don't want to do all the work, Cameron. This okay. sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Diddy but, Kong Racing. But he uh, racing. he did comment though on Titans, and he was saying that you know the the handling of Dick in the new episode was brilliant. This is a reference to last week's episode, okay. episode four with Doom Patrol. Um, and he he again he said he immediately went to the old new old wounds as well as soon as the kid came around the corner when Dick's beating the shit out of him. Um, and that for him it encapsulates how far off the edge he went under Batman's tutelage because in this universe, Batman is a killer, so it makes sense that he would be going so far with it um and he even points oh yeah this okay this is where it was he says i'm super curious what this means for todd though since batman killing means red hood's motives wouldn't make sense so mm -hmm. there you go it was with maddie i was having that conversation okay um but yeah i i am still very curious where they're gonna go with this yeah um but uh so the other thing is that i guess uh gordon wills made a comment about how much he liked us doing the sparkle quiz oh, thanks gordon and we could just listen to that this is a genuine question i'm gonna ask because you and i are or stupid and lazy. If you guys actually liked us doing the Sparkle Quiz thing, maybe we'll do that every once in a while, just like a random little thing. Oh, yeah, I love Sparkle Quizzes. We had fun doing it, but I legitimately can't tell if it made for good audio or not because mm -hmm. we were in the middle of doing it and we had like the screen in front of us. So I don't know yeah. for you listeners if it was entertaining. If it was well, entertaining, if it was funny and fun, maybe we'll do some more of yeah. those. We also picked a long one. Like most Sparkle Quizzes aren't more than five minutes. Yeah, I feel like we could do a shorter one maybe and it could be good. But if you guys like that stuff, let us know. Um, and then also, uh, Paul Hill sent me today uh, some artwork by this guy, Tim Shin, who we, we follow on Instagram, uh, who did this amazing compilation of all the James Bond actors. Ooh. So, right in my wheelhouse. That's cool. Always, always love that. Um, yeah, so, you know, we always love to get our notes yeah. from our friends. Uh, but, Cameron, what are your plugs this week? Oh, man, what are my plugs? Um, well, I saw The Grinch. Okay. As, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast. Did you like it? Uh, it was it was okay. Mm -hmm. uh, it's interesting to see them kind of pulling a few points from the live action Grinch. Okay, into because it's very much uh, just a remake of the original animated. Mm -hmm. Or I guess it's a remake of the book. It's, it's much right. more closer to the book. Okay, but they do tie in the orphan storyline again, which I don't remember if it was part of the book or not. I don't think so. Okay, no, cause I, I'm pretty sure the original animated version Hughes pretty close to the book. I've read, I think, once. Okay. I, I don't think I've ever read the book. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Waiting for that audiobook to come out. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a great one. Um, but yeah, they, they do pull in the orphan storyline again, mm -hmm. which I was a little surprised by. But I mean, I imagine they use it as justification for why he hates Christmas so much, right? Yes. But then, uh, then I was uh, as I was watching it, I was looking at the world from the Grinch's perspective, mm -hmm. and I'm like, this is a guy with PTSD who's constantly being reminded of how miserable he is. Oh, like, yeah, I'd be angry too. Poor Grinch. Yeah. Cause there's even a point where he like accidentally shows up in Whoville. Uh, and you do see him in like that hazy state yeah. of like, I don't know what's going on here. I don't, I'm not supposed to be here. And I'm like, yeah, cause you have PTSD about all of this yeah. stuff. It's horrifying. Mm -hmm. Uh, but no, it's, it's a cute movie. I, I really like, um, their, ver this version of Cindy Lou who is more of like a rebel. 
uh, and and less much like the goody two shoes kid. Okay, and I really like that That's aspect. Fun. And what I really hope if if Illumination can keep this up, twenty years from now they'll have one of the coolest intro sequences ever, or uh, logo uh, logo intros, because uh, usually it's just the minion that pops up. Mm-hmm. This time they have the rabbit from. Um, the pets movie Life, oh Life pets. okay yeah and so i imagine if they continue just adding characters from all of their franchises in 20 years from now when it's just stacked <laughs> like that'd be so cool that actually would be really cute yeah yeah to have all of them in there together mm-hmm. i mean that like i said i think their stuff is good not necessarily great but good yeah it, it's uh it's very much filling the void of just like kid yeah animation again and you can still make really good kids content i think yeah they, they do so no I, i'm curious about the grinch i do want to see that one actually at some point uh but then there was another uh a youtube video I, I don't think i ever plugged it i watched it a few weeks ago but it popped back up uh it was a vox video called how instagram traps air quotes are changing art museums oh i saw that video but didn't watch it it's so fascinating because you love those i do well, i talk you... about instagram museums all the time yeah i, I refer to them as instagram museums and not what they're supposed to be because they're, they're installation art. And I, yeah. and I stopped, once I got on Instagram, I stopped looking at them as installation art. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're talking about how they've completely re-energized the museum scene for a new generation. D- now, are they, d- is the Vox video, does it have a positive attitude towards the Instagram installations? Or is it, is it critical of how it kind of undercuts like the purpose of the museums like what's its Both. what's its thesis on it what's um, its attitude? most of it is talking about the positive okay uh so I, I wrote some of it uh it's creating installation art for a new generation the instagram museum it's shaping how we consume art now and how the room and you are both kind of the centerpiece of the art okay um because it's very much based off the 1960s style of art where like every when you walked into a museum kind of a, a new age museum every room was a different art piece okay um hmm. some a little grosser than others if you really are interested look up the piece seed bed the what uh seed bed a seed bed yes it's one word it's a very disgusting like you know not safe for work kind of installation piece um but it's uh what was it Wait, they're they're talking is about there another name because a seed bed is also just like farming Oh, yeah, yeah. No, just uh, seedbed uh, installation art. Oh. I mean, no fo- no gross photo is going to pop up, but just reading what it's about. I can also just go into it if you want me to. Uh, no, I'm good. Okay. We only have so much time. Uh, but they're talking about it's uh, for classic museums. It's causing. Wait, them to sorry, re- what? Did you read it? I, I, y- yeah. Okay, no, go into it. Go ahead and go into <laughs> it. Because, like. Seedbed is, what I want to say, ni- 1967 ish. 72. 1972. It's a, so it's an empty room with a slanted floor, and you just hear some like panting and heavy breathing. Uh, and for a month, I think it was on display, uh, under, the, under the ramp floor was the guy who owned the room uh, masturbating into a microphone. Eight hours a day he <laughs> masturbated. What? Yep. How? Oh, How? man. This was such a fun section of art history talking about installation art. He must have had the world's most developed forearm after the end of that month. My... <laughs> how, do you, I mean, how do you deal with the chafing of that situation? I don't know. My God. What was his cleanup ritual? I, I have so many follow-up questions I, I also have a lot of follow-up questions for a lot of installation art from back then. Uh, but, but, you know, now, now we can take photos of it. He, I guess he would also just, like, murmur really awkward sexual things. Yes. 
what the fuck yep like i said it's a very there were there were some very strange art ex- i mean yoko ono was one of the founders of, of the installation art movement of course she was uh one of her first pieces i don't remember the name of it um but she would stand in the front of a crowd with just a pair of scissors and people were supposed to come and cut a piece of piece of clothing off. oh right whatever piece they wanted to mm-hmm. yeah that's still less weird than this mm-hmm. this is just some dude masturbating in the basement yes Oh, I have some weird ones that I'll talk about off air. Jesus Christ. Um, what is happening? Yeah. Uh, oh, so so one that I really want to bring up for you, because I think you saw this exhibit. Um, they they really touched on uh, the Kusama infinity rooms that, that popped up at the Broad. Did you see those? I've actually never gone to the Broad. Oh, okay. So I know. The, uh, so the I Broad, need to. It's, it's great. Yeah. Uh, Kusama is this amazing installation artist from Japan. She's mm-hmm. been doing art since like, the mid 70s she's been an installation artist okay uh and so recently her infinity rooms have become huge and just to throw out a quick statistic uh before the broad which is a free museum just down in la yeah uh before this exhibit they had 150 members of the museum after the exhibit they had over ten thousand. like that's the effect that this, wow. this is having that's on crazy museums. yeah um, and they were talking about how it's it, they're removing their no photography rules at a lot of museums. Mm-hmm. But then at the very end of the video, they do the reverse stance of like how museums are being affected by this or how art is being affected. By okay. this, where um, they they see the <clears throat> the audience being having a harder time appreciating art because they're not looking at it as art. They're looking at it as something they can capture. Mm, and so okay. it's, it's really dulling the experience yeah. or changing the experience that the artist intended. So like you've been out to the Getty mm-hmm. when you, like, how do you go to like, when you go to art museum, like how is your approach going around? Like, do you stop and look at stuff? Like, do you like really look at stuff? Do you read the descriptions? Like, how mm-hmm. do you work with your museum? Oh, I mean, why I feel like, I'm a little different because I did study art in college. Oh, right. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love museums. Like going, the MoMA is still my favorite museum of all time. Um, oh, in um, uh, New York. Yeah. yeah. The Museum of Modern History or uh, Modern, Modern Art, art Museum. Yeah. Um, I love that, you know, everything about that I love because mm-hmm. it's, it's a mix of kind of the installation and yeah. the classic and the pop art and everything. But yeah, I definitely go, I usually keep my phone in my pocket unless there's a piece of like, if there's something that like inspires me there, I'll take a photo of it yeah. and save it for later. Same. Uh, if there's something that is a little interactable, I will take a photo with it. Cause that's mm-hmm. kind of the point. I don't want to say that's what it's intended for, but it's, you know, you're supposed to interact with it as much as it's interacting with you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but then at the flip side of it, I do see, like I went to refinery 29's pop up 27 mm-hmm. room, 29 rooms mm-hmm. where there were a bunch of people that just ran through, took a photo with everything and left. And yeah. didn't really like sit and appreciate it. I, yeah, I mean that's more my strategy. Like I'm the same way. Like I don't, <clears throat> I don't really take a lot of photos. I just kind of go in more, just want to like look at it and experience it. And I'll, I'll sometimes read the plaque if it's something that interests me. I want to learn more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I recently went to the Getty when uh, when Alec was in town. Yes, and we went up there, and uh, there were some um, some Monets. Mm-hmm. in one of the wings and i kind of like looked at it, i'm like okay the thing and i walked away and then i'm like wait no actually hang on like i actually need to go and like really look at these things like these are significant for a reason and i went back and i actually spent a few minutes just like really looking at them especially with those like looking at the texture yes which is so interesting because uh, you know a lot of that's um what's the word so you keep talking about impressionism no the, the, the style oh um, right there there's a specific art 
um word for when you when you just like throw like thick layers of paint on yeah the canvas. I, I forget what it is i, but, I can't remember right but now. yeah but like you walk around a sorry, lot of those friends sorry I know. lauren because you're the only one probably listening to this <laughs> who knows art but uh you know you walk around and a lot of that stuff it's very 2d and it was like kind of the first when you stop and think about like oh like actually it makes a difference being in person on this because you can actually like look at it from the side and you can just see how thick the paint is you can see the texture and i, I really like consciously made an effort to go back and really maybe something like that yeah, like really look at it. And I'm glad I did because it does give you uh, just a different way of thinking about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's fun in that way to be like, all right, it's here in the moment. I'm actually physically in the same space as this. How can I make that more distinct than just looking at it in the same way I would if it were on the internet? Mm-hmm. And one of the other things that I love, especially seeing famous pieces of art, is when you see it and then you get references from other media mm, yeah. that, like, um, I think the most copied piece of art ever is um oh fuck i just forgot the name of it starry night no um the scream no uh mona uh, lisa no just let me finish what i'm saying (laughs) um it's when mary is holding christ's body after he gets off the cross oh Uh, it was originally a sculpture sculpture that then turned into a painting yes um i don't know what it's called though i I, i'm so upset that i because i mention it constantly yeah but that is in every death scene, someone will mimic that pose exactly. Yeah. And I, I think that is the most copied piece of art. I want to say in existence. Mm-hmm. Um, but then going all the way back to like Greek art where they have uh, the, their specific pose, which I also, I, I'm so bad with my art history terms right now, but step it up, man. I know. I'm sorry. And I know we're supposed to not run late on this episode, but I'm going to keep talking about this for one more second. No, it's fine. Um, uh, it's it's uh, the Greek form in all Greek sculptures. You'll see uh, they all have the, the same kind of body type where it's one straight leg and one straight arm. Uh, and then the other two, the opposite limbs are bent. Mm-hmm. In, every, in every piece of Greek sculpture, you will Never find that exact that. formula. Hmm. Um, and that's super interesting. And then you kind of see that. I think it's really mimicked in CW. A lot of the, like the CW smolder yeah. is all in that same... Uh, body type they all have that same look where it's half bent half bent straight straight i've never even noticed that yes oh now i'm gonna have to rewatch the cw from a totally new angle yes and if you ever uh like get really into greek art go back and rewatch uh disney's hercules because they hide so many famous pieces in the back oh i bet they do i when i was in so freshman year we had art history and when we were studying for our greek history test my friend and i just watched hercules and would pause and like what's the name of that that's really fun. And we aced the test. Right on. Yeah. The power of Hercules. Yeah. That's why it's my favorite. Yeah. Well, it's for so many reasons. It's mm-hmm. good. So, sorry. What are you, what have you uh, been watching? I think I'll reading? just, I'll, I'll condense mine down here. Sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to take up well, all of our time. I, I had some movies, but I realized like we always do the movie recap at the end of the year. So like maybe those longer discussions that we can just save for that. Okay. Um, so I'm just gonna do one, which is I rewatched uh, today um, just as like the new frontier, which is the animated adaptation of dc the new frontier my, i've read that you have read that I've read that it, it is my favorite comic of all time definitively and just, I, I remember I, I saw it recently pop up on a list of like best uh dc animated films it was really high up there and i remember not liking it when it came out same and i'm like okay let me go back to it and maybe to see if i can try and watch it objectively without thinking about the comic and the thing is i can't now i think 
when it gets to the end, when all the heroes are together and they're off to go fight the center, like when it's more or less just like keeping pace with the comic, I think that it's all done really well. I think there's a step between like Lois and Superman is really sweet mm-hmm. um, and actually very touching and all that's played out really, really well. My problem with it is that story is so sprawling and has so many random tangents. It has so much depth that when it's condensed down, it, it just really feels like it's losing so much of what makes it so good okay and so interesting and i mean it's still it's beautifully animated yeah i love the um, animation yeah and like i think the the voice references for the most part are pretty good but it just i guess for me i can't help but feel like it's it's such a pale imitation of its source material and that source material is so it's that again that's my favorite fucking comic it's mm-hmm. amazing um but i mean you know one advantage it has over the comic is the end of the comic you know obviously um John F. Kennedy's New Frontier speech is written out in chunks, whereas in this is his actual voice, um, kind of done to montage and uh, like all that's done really, really well. Yeah. But um, it's I mean it's it's okay. I think if if you're listening to this and you have neither read nor seen, if you want to do both, I guess watch it first and then go read the comic. But I think no matter what, go read New Frontier the comic because it's because I did it. You did it. I know. I'm <laughs> glad you did. It's ah, oh, it's my favorite. It's so fucking good. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think I'll just do that one, this one plug this week. Okay. Some other stuff I'll say yeah, for next sorry, week. Sorry so. for taking up all the time. You bastard. No, it's fine. Occasionally we're educational. Yes. Contraposto was the word I was trying to think of, by the way. So that, glad you the, got that's there. That's the Greek form. So glad you got that at the yes. end. See, people listening to this now actually learn something valuable rather than just hear me yes. just slobber all over Dick Grayson the entire What's time. What's that fucking skull? Sorry. Do, do the outro and yeah. I'll find we'll, the name we'll, of that uh, sculpture. Yeah, we'll go ahead and move on and get the outro here. Um... But uh, if you do want to reach out to us, if you have just thoughts on the show, uh, or if specifically... La Pieta, son of a bitch. There, there we go. And he found it. Um, <laughs> if you have thoughts on either Batman Beyond or, of course, Titans, uh, and also if you want to let us know if you enjoyed the Sparkle quiz from last week, <laughs> uh, we are at TimTalkBot on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Uh, I am personally at Lordifer on Instagram and Gmail. Uh, yeah, and if you want to see my art, which I'll update at some point... Uh, that's at Cameron.Dexter. And if you want to see my face, it's at CamDexter underscore adventures. Yeah. And also I, I realized that I forgot last week because we had so much going on to also plug my other podcast, Gay It Forward. That's right. We recently put out a, uh, a new episode where I Jonathan did. and I did an interview with, uh, our, all of our mutual friend, Katie, who mm-hmm. came on to talk about her experience as a trans woman. And it's... she was on our Comic-Con extravaganza yes, last year. Yes, our Comic-Con Clusterfuck 2017. Yeah, she was right. on that. Um, dear, dear friend of mine, total nerd too, huge fan of Nightwing. And uh, no, I mean, it was... Fan of My Hero Academia. Also a fan of that, yeah. Um, someone here is. At least someone is. Uh, but no, it's, it's a really good conversation talking with her about her experience and just growing up and figuring out that she was trans and also now living in the current world that way and um yeah it's more than just us talking like idiots it actually has something a little bit substantial to it uh Uh, and also we're up on youtube now too for those of you who don't have itunes nice so yeah if you don't mind go check that out um but i think now we are finally done i I only did one episode (laughs) yeah so thanks everyone for listening always appreciated thanks everyone bye bye